Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Happy 2024! New year, new you, right? Let me guess. You're thinking about joining a new gym, starting a fad diet, buying that... Theragun everyone's always yammering on about, <laughs> I've got a better idea. Listen to my podcast. I'm Samantha B, writer, comedian, and host of Choice Words from Lemonada Media. This whole month of January, we're going to help you make better choices in 2024. We'll go beyond superficial hacks and get at the truth of how to lead a more meaningful life. Just search for Choice Words on your podcast player of choice and hit follow so you don't miss an episode. Now that is a good choice. Lemonada. I'm Kiki Monique, and this is I'm Sorry, a podcast about apologies. And this week, I did not eat a bagel, which may surprise a lot of people. Oh, wow. And uh, this is Mohanad El-Sheikhi. And uh, this week I've heard that Queen Elizabeth has COVID and I would like to report that as misinformation because a dead body cannot have a virus. Please stop lying to us. Right. That woman is dead. (laughs) And this is Oja Lopez. And this week I finally found a dry rosé cider that I've been looking for for the past four years and they didn't sell it anywhere and I had to keep buying it online and I just strolled into a shabby little liquor store <laughs> five blocks away to my house and guess who found her dry rosé cider? What? Um, dry rosé cider. Dry rosé cider. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> I'm having an ESL moment, okay? And no, yes, I know I speak English perfectly, but occasionally dry rosé cider is going to come <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just curious because I've heard people who have, you know, like who say like English is my second language, that the new wordle words that I know there's controversy around if since New York Times has bought it, they're saying it's like even harder for them. I don't know. Is that true? Uh, I don't know. I think it's the opposite, actually, because like when you learn English as a second language, you learn some of the words that no one really uses. And I think that actually helps with Wurzel and not the opposite. Okay. Yeah. I kind of feel the exact same way. I felt like there there's also a bunch of words that are normal in Spanish that when they get translated into English, they seem like kind of rare or weirder words here. Yeah. Um, but we use them pretty normally. Yeah, I would say I completely agree yeah. with what you said, Mo. I'm sorry, Kiki. Reports have been falsified. Yeah. You've been lied to. All I've right, been fucking like killing it, it on Wordle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
today we have Caleb Hiran on. He is my buddy, a comedian, a writer, an actor. He is uh, currently writing for Netflix upcoming series Human Resources and has a super funny, amazing podcast on HeadGum called Keeping Records. And today we are going to be talking about Pamela Denise Anderson. Yes, finally. Been looking forward to this. Very excited. Just watch the show. Can't wait to get into it. All right, let's do it. Hello and welcome. Hi, Caleb. Hi. I'm so excited to have everybody on. Um, we have a good friend and a great comedian, and ah. I, um, I'm so excited to have you join us. Ah. Okay, um, I can't wait. It could be a compliment fest, but I'll hold back. Oh, don't hold back on my behalf. Okay, I know. Your hat is gorgeous. Your face is sweet. Your, Thank your you. Skin now is I feel glowing. ready. Thank you. Um, and, and you, Mo, and Kiki are pretty cute, too. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. For throwing yeah. us in there. <laughs> I, I, I needed that today. I was like, shit, I'm going in too deep with one. I got to really spread this love. Yeah, it, it's okay. <laughs> okay, well, I'm so excited about uh, today's topic because I feel like I'm, again, looking back on uh, the 90s and uh, early 2000s with uh, like, where was I and what was I doing mm-hmm. at this time? And so whenever a topic comes up that specifically deals with this kind of stuff, I'm like, oh, you piece of shit. Oh, ha, you were right <laughs> there with everyone else making fun of these people, thinking these things about these wonderful women. So um, today we're going to talk about uh, Pamela Denise Anderson. What a what a woman. She was born on July 1st, 1967. She's a cancer. Check that out. Now, I did look at her birth chart. I don't know if that matters or not. But apparently, when your dominant planet is Venus, your main reflex is to please. Hmm. And I do feel like Pammy maybe has a little bit of that inside of her heart. But I don't know anything about charts or anything of this. But what do you guys think is like your dominant trait? Like what motivates you? Mine is like shame and fear. But that's like for another day. So what is? (laughs) No, I'm just joking. But what what do you think are like your main dominating traits? Like what drives you? Probably like uh, revenge and money. Oh, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> Vengeance and cash. Any questions? I mean, I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in the entertainment industry, so it's exactly that. <laughs> I don't know what else. I just this past week for the very first time got I went to a coffee shop in Silver Lake and I got my astrology reading like my whole chart. Have y'all ever done that? No, No. I need to do that. Yeah. I'm here and there on whether or not I believe but I you know I it was really interesting and I found out that I have a Scorpio node north node. Anyway, I'm I'm looking to the future and I need to set boundaries. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's that's what we learned. That's what we learned about me. (laughs) Yeah, so we've got we've got our motivating factors, uncovering a lot of things. But Pamela is amazing. She is the author of three autobiographies, three novels, including one which I read a short excerpt on called Lust for Love, which is about rekindling intimacy and passion. And she wrote it with a rabbi. And mm. I just she contains many things. Mm-hmm. You guys, she's got a lot going on. Uh, she's a poet. She is an activist. Um, so she was born in British Columbia in Canada, and her dad's name was Barry, and he was a furnace repairman, and then her mom was a waitress, Carol. Apparently, she grew up being very naturally sporty, earning her the nickname Rubber Band at school, which, I don't know, you guys, nicknames are hard in high school. That could have gone either way. It could have been bad. It could have been good. You know? I think I would have liked it. I've heard way worse. <laughs> yeah. 
I've heard way worse. <laughs> rubber band seems. I'll take. I'll take rubber band. You take rubber band. Um, yeah. So basically, um, she kind of grows up in a pretty idyllic situation, and then um, she's hot. So of course, when she's twenty-two, she ends up going to a Canadian football league game and she's discovered, which we talk a lot about being discovered as being a big nineties and early, like two thousands fantasy Ew. for models, hot people in general. Also me as a fat person, I was always like, this is going to happen. I just need to walk around very confidently in open areas. Um, but did you guys have any fantasy of being discovered? Like, is it just me? <laughs> no, all the time. I mean, I think that's why I still walk around like thinking I'm the main <laughs> <Right>. character. Like <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah, isn't isn't that the main like drive why everyone like keeps using social media? They're just like their moment is gonna happen. Someone will see right. a tweet and be like, Okay, you should make a show. <laughs> You should make a show. I I don't have like entertainment like delusions or dreams about being discovered, but I have like romantic like when I go to like the Glendale Gallery and I'm wearing a cute shirt, I'm like I'm gonna get discovered by my husband today. <laughs> <laughs> like a man is going to ta- a man is going to take me to the altar uh, today. <laughs> yeah, I choose you. That's what you want to hear. You want to hear I choose you from yeah. a strange man, and then it develops into a full blown relationship. You're you're right. You're damn right. That's exactly what I want to have. And I get that. And Pam Anderson got that many times in her life, I feel. I feel like Pam Anderson is somebody who gets chosen a lot in a lot of different ways. Um, But she kind of starts out her sort of career just doing kind of Playboy covers and appearing on the magazine. So her first cover is in 1989. And she is a person who has been on the cover of Playboy more times than any other human being. Wow. Um, I think it was a total of 14 times. So she's sort of a... We'll call her like the ingenue, the darling of of Hugh Hefner. But do you guys have like an idea of what Playboy was for you when you were growing up? Like, what was your impression of it, I guess? I mean, it was just like, yeah, it was something that I like had to get in secret and look at. And <laughs> okay. that was it. Yeah, I was a baby, honestly. No, You're no. talking about stuff now, and I'm just like, I mean, it, if I knew about Playboy and like 1997, I was six then. So that would be, <laughs> I feel like that would be an issue. Yeah, everybody's like, we don't know about Playboy. We don't know. How I to- didn't know anything about it. <laughs> I know about it. Y'all may be younger than me, but I know about it. I mean, I still have a Playboy in my collection it's the cover with anna nicole smith so like later Mm. on in life i started buying playboys as collectors and purely that because they were um getting you know Mm. celebrities that i really adored and anna nicole smith was one of them so i was like i i mean god in i guess maybe if anybody was talking about like porn in general in like the early 2000s when i guess boys started talking about porn at my age I, I was like Christian vibes. So I would be like, mm. that's disgusting. <laughs> I would be like, I'm more Christian than you guys. I'm not interested in that at all. And so I don't think I really knew what Playboy was. But I think that, I feel like in, in our lifetime, they've been through a kind of a big uh, shift. Yeah. And I think we're going to see another one with, I mean, Cardi B becoming the creative director. And I'm excited to see like what the new sort of like Playboy would be now that like Hef is out of the picture. And we now know like, just how creepy he was from that Annie series that's on right now. Oh God. Yeah. yeah the, the kind of hindsight 2020 on all these things, it's like kind of how Victoria's secret is like completely pivoting. They're like, that was us before. This is us now. We no longer do all this crazy shit. And it definitely feels like, um, 
you know, where is the safe haven for the pervs and the sexists is what I'm really asking. Like, where will they go now? Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I'm sure they have no place to go. <laughs> well, hopefully they'll finally die. They're like 100 years old. They just never <laughs> no. seem to die. Have you have you been to comedy clubs recently? You, you, <laughs> they're fine. Yeah. yeah, they're working. They're headlining. <laughs> they're alive and well. <laughs> they're headlining the chuckle bucket in Minneapolis or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Oh, okay. Good, 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 good. Um, so her first TV appearance is on uh, sitcom Home Improvement. So she's <laughs> Tim the Toolman Taylor's <laughs> assistant. That's so funny. <laughs> and I remember her from being on the show. And I just remember her. It was kind of like she would just appear with a tool to give to Tim the Toolman Taylor. And she would just be beautiful. And then people would clap and go, woo when she showed up on the screen and then she would go and that was kind of her main her main first foray so she didn't land a speaking part necessarily she was just sort of um kind of a little bit of uh of eye candy there at the beginning and then she goes and gets Baywatch. what eye candy when tim allen was there why did they need that (laughs) (laughs) they needed a counterbalance to that for sure um, but it's really interesting because it's, I mean, it definitely is like she's getting into jobs, mm-hmm. you know, specifically because they want to kind of use her in the way that she looks. Yeah. And Baywatch in particular is another one of those. Now, you didn't necessarily know a lot about Playboy, but did you watch Baywatch? Was this in your yeah in your mindset at all? Was that more timely kind of? No, I was aware of it for sure. Yeah. Like I, I, I wasn't like, oh, I watched every episode and I know every <laughs> person's name. I feel like I just knew what it was and just saw clips and stuff like that. I was in Venezuela for this. So I like... I'm going to tell you guys that international fandom is not the same as American fandom. We go crazy, okay? I feel like international fandom is way harder because we have less access to them. Um, so I was a huge Baywatch fan. Well, I yeah. still love it. Because didn't, didn't it get canceled after season one and then it got picked up again because even though it did not have high ratings in the U.S., Everywhere else, it was just insane. Yeah, what happened? They 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 canceled. They canceled after season one. Season one, and then international fans were like, "What riding in the streets?" What? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it got like syndication. They were kind of like send it overseas, and then it was like yeah. it blew up over there. And they were like, "Oh wait, this is actually working. Let's try it again." And then they bring Pam Anderson on, and then the American audience were like, "Okay, we'll pay attention now." All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So so and it was on NBC first, and they canceled it after one season and then david Hasselhoff they sell the rights to the show to david Hasselhoff for one dollar because he david is like i believe in this fucking show it's gonna happen you guys don't see the vision and then after a ton of syndication they also get it kind of financed through a shit ton of product placement and then the show ends up sticking around for a full decade after that until it sort of like wanes off Mm. but yeah i remember watching cj i remember watching all of these characters and truly being obsessed with mitch buchanan and david hasselhoff which and this is not something i realized looks like my dad now he looks like my dad and it's something that i've got to contend with interesting for the rest of my life yeah i was obsessed is that too much of a reveal for you guys no i mean is that know. too hard no i feel like i'm learning a lot about you and i appreciate yeah. that yeah it was too much for me i i, I felt <laughs> i felt i felt like i got to know you too much in that moment oh yeah i'll i'll withdraw a little bit and i'll start (laughs) i'll be a little cold actually i'll be a little cold from now on (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, so for me, I loved Baywatch. There was a spinoff of Baywatch Nights. Did you hear about this at all? Because this was also my my jam. Heard about it. Didn't watch that. Yeah, there were two seasons. Season one, great. Just kind of Baywatch at night. People still drowning. People still getting saved. Then season two became a vampire hunting show starring Mitch Buchanan. Wait, what? This is a real... It just became a paranormal show. Yes. Okay, no. That's I, I don't know how ridiculous. else to explain it. That's absolutely ridiculous. No, I'm I'm going to look that up. I want to see. Like, what... A, oh, you have like, to. Like, were they finding them, like, by the sea? That was, was that the idea? I mean, at some point, Mitch Buchanan was wearing a cape and running through a haunted house. Just like, stop. Candles that were... No. No, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. You've got to go see it on YouTube. There's like a couple okay. clips that I watched. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. It's bizarre. America is a strange place. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hi, I'm June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jessica St. Clair. And each week we are sitting down to talk all about life's twists, turns, and absurdities on The Deep Dive. From exploring the depths of TikTok, which is our only news source, to navigating the complexities of grief and loss, we are just two best friends behind a mic processing life together. This podcast is all about finding the silver linings in the madness. So get ready for unfiltered conversations about motherhood, careers, pop culture, and everything in between. Here at The Deep Dive, we're all about community. We believe in the power of sharing experiences and the strength that comes from supporting one another. And we would love to have you with us. So be sure to join us every Wednesday on The Deep Dive from Lemonada Media, wherever you get your podcasts. To go back to our uh, number one girl, Pammy. Um, so she is in the middle of Baywatch. And of course, she's getting like all of this attention. So um, she's kind of um, aligned and seen with Dean Kane, with Sylvester Stallone, with Scott Bio. And then finally, it's her marriage to Tommy Lee that sort of makes the biggest headlines. I, by the way, I heard that scoff at Scott Bio. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, I, focus, focus, yeah, focus. Yeah, but it's... it's, it's <laughs> The fact that it's Scott Bayo, I don't even care that you mispronounced his name. Bayo? I'm like, Bayo? you said Bayo, and oh, it's fine. Oh, I wasn't laughing at the pronunciation. No. Oh, I was. <laughs> I'm laughing at him. I'm laughing at the idea of this man. <laughs> I'm like, he doesn't deserve correct pronunciation. Continue on. <laughs> that was a slight, and I did it on purpose to really get him off balance. You know, um, no, but it's it is pretty crazy to me that she's establishing a type. Like to me, this yeah. is a pattern 
of a human being. And so when I was reading this, I was like, I wonder if Mo and Kiki and Caleb have types. Like, what is... Because oh, clearly God. she goes for like... <laughs> <laughs> clearly she goes for like these crazy dudes. And I'm just curious if you guys find yourself repeatedly dating the same person with the same face over and over again. I don't know if I repeatedly date, but like, I think that if there is a specific guy, I get... Uh, a lot of people know that I'm going to be into him. And like, not all of them look the same, but like there's groups of certain types of men and they all fit into certain types of groups and people know who my groups are. And so, yeah. Kiki, you have managed to say nothing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I understood. I knew exactly what Kiki meant. Because mine is an energy. Mine can be, it doesn't matter how you look, but as long as you're aloof and probably not into me... I am hooked, honey. I'm, I'm there for the long haul. Oh my god. Yeah. Ooh. Um, I know. I know you're into Chet Hanks, so I'm imagining that that's a little. Who's into Chet like Hanks? Kiki Monique. Oh. <laughs> Look, I have I have a type of like I have a type of white boy. There's different types of white boys, but like. You know, a lot of times they're bald. A lot of times they have tattoos. A lot of times they're, they they fit into certain, you know. But I also love a surfer. That's the thing. Like, they might not all look the same, but a lot of the same guys fit into specific groups. And it's usually, usually bald tattoo, though, is like where I'm, I'm going. Chet Hanks, when he was, here's what I'll say about Chet Hanks. When he was three minutes into his 15 minutes of fame, he could have gotten it from a lot of people and then we heard too much from him over the past year and now i feel like it's gone it's over yeah once he started saying that he didn't grow up with a positive male (laughs) role model i was kind of like you can't dunk on tom (laughs) what an insane thing to to say (laughs) america's dad exactly i'm like okay we had one and it happens to be your dad so uh, so like we all cried when when we found out he had covid because we thought he was gonna die yeah exactly i'm like no that's your problem buddy yeah what about you mo do you have a type well i've I've been i've been with the same person for four years so i would say uh yeah Uh, it's your girlfriend i I have a a type her name is rosie sherman that's that's my type I have a type and it's my girlfriend. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Exactly. All right. No more gotcha questions here. Okay. Okay. Um, so obviously <laughs> Pam is dating a series of, you know, tattooed dickheads. I, I'm going to just describe them like that. But uh, Tommy Lee in particular. So this is kind of where we start in my mind. <laughs> losing it like fully losing it with uh pam and tommy and they were married from 1995 to 1998 so it's a short and sweet marriage and we'll talk about more about kind of their relationship but she's also married to kid rock and that relationship lasted less than a year she married rick solomon from october of 07 to march of 08 and then again from 2014 like the beginning of 2014 to the beginning of 2015 And then more recently, she married her bodyguard, Dan Hayhurst. So, I mean, there is something about she believes in true love. No, she believes that this is this is the next one that's going to work. And that I mean, that's there's something admirable about believing in it still. Well, I think that she was a hopeless romantic. And I think, you know, Tommy Lee has always said he is a hopeless romantic. So I think like it made sense that the two of them together just like, yeah, found each other. Yeah. I mean, I've only knew them like from now watching the uh, TV show slash documentary. 
I'm like, I'm, it just seemed like they loved each other's energy, which was very high at all times. Yeah, right. it's like mutual love bombing. Exactly. It's like, yeah. It's oh. High octane, high intensity. It was meant to shine bright and fast. Three years is a short marriage, but she's had shorter ones since then, which is, yeah, I don't know why the marriage is. I've never understood that when people get married really quick. I'm like, why not just have fun? Keep it fun. Well, and even, I mean, Tommy Lee's first marriage was seven days. So, I mean, right. they share a lot of these things <laughs> right. in common. Right. <laughs> and they also they also married four days into dating, too. Massive. Actually, that part I get. Well, actually, <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> I think that was like a combination of like, you know, they were into each other, but also she was being fed ecstasy unknowingly for the mm. entirety of the vacation. So I think everything feels like love, you know, if you're just taking ecstasy for four days straight. I, I don't know about that life. Like... <laughs> One time I ate one extra weed brownie and literally thought I was a character in the Lord of the Rings for four hours and decided to never do that again in my life. Is that good or bad? I'm just trying to figure I mean, that out. It wasn't good. I thought I thought I was being swallowed by a river of horses. And at some point I started describing my tongue as a dolphin stuck in an elevator. And these are things my friends still quote at me. And I'm, I, I can't do drugs. I'm going to tell you all right now. Offer them to me. I will swat them out of your hand. But they... A full marriage proposal and a full, like, relationship based off of ecstasy. I don't know. These people are too fun. Well, Pamela didn't want to be on. I mean, let's get it clear. Pamela does not do drugs. She did not want to be on drugs. According to, like, this is in Tommy Lee's own, like, memoir. Like, they were in, like, she said she they were drinking champagne. And she found out that one of his friends was, like, cracking ecstasy and putting it into her drinks. So oh, it was, like, not, like, a cool thing at all. But, like, also probably, like, why did they get back to California? And she's like, why? Things feel different now. <laughs> Something's <laughs> off. I don't know. Things aren't firing the way they no. were on the island. I'm not. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and so this relationship with Tommy Lee sets off just this insanity, basically, which is kind of taking us a little bit to kind of current day. So I know she has her kind of long-term relationships with Rick Solomon, which again, they married twice. That's another phenomena that I do not understand, which is getting married, divorcing a whole human being, and then marrying that person again. Get back together, sure. But to do yes. the whole paperwork thing of it again is like, I don't know about that. Yeah. Did they think that in order to be with someone, the government has to approve it? Because I feel like that's what's <laughs> happening here. I'm like, just hang. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, just hang out. Just hang out, guys. Um, yeah, the the joint bank account, the full shebang where you're writing your name in the, in the stone. I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, but. I'm all about the Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell plan. They have gotten it right. <laughs> mm. Like, just do what they do. That's punk. That's real punk rock. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be together for 78,000 years and we're never going <laughs> to... And I'm still going to call you my boyfriend. <laughs> right. Hot. That's hot. Hot. Keep it light. Keep it hot. Um, but the series. So Pam and Tommy, the series is such an interesting depiction. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is not when I think of the show, I think of a lot of different things. But to talk about specifically kind of why the series gets greenlit and kind of the timing of it is I, we've been talking about Courtney Stodden, about Chrissy Teigen. We've been talking about Monica Lewinsky. We've been talking about, you know this kind of depiction of women in the 90s and early 2000s. And so as soon as I knew that this show was being greenlit, I was like, oh, fuck, what did I do to Pamela Anderson? Because I genuinely, I think I felt the same way that everybody else felt when all this stuff was coming out. But 
basically the series is about Pam and Tommy and uh, they developed a series kind of without necessarily her participation or permission, but they optioned the rights to an article published by Rolling Stone in 2014 which basically is the story of a disgruntled contractor working on their house and how this person kind of stole a safe from their garage that contained this private sex tape and then released it really at the kind of beginnings of the internet without their consent, which is an incredible story. But have you guys seen the show? Like, what are your impressions of um, of that story in particular? I've watched the first uh, like three episodes uh, so far. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I again had no idea about any of this shit. Uh, I thought Tommy Lee was an insane person. Like the second he said that he asked the construction workers that he wants a uh, a water bed, and I was like, this man is a villain. Like, uh, <laughs> like what are you doing? But I like the story of like how because I I mean I knew about the sex tape, but I didn't know how it got out, and I had no idea it was stolen, and. You know, it's obviously bad it happened, but literally he just scammed construction workers out of $20,000 and would not even let them get their kit back from him. And that's what started this whole thing, because they came in to seal the safe to get their money back, basically. And then they just happened to find the tape. Yeah, I thought, I, I mean, I've, I've seen uh, bits and pieces of it. Um but I I haven't watched the whole thing yet. But the the parts of it I have seen. I agree with with Mo. I didn't I didn't know how the tape came out ever. Like I didn't remember that part of it. All I remember is that Pamela Anderson had a sex tape, and that's I think also very telling because that that's how it's always described as like it's never Tommy Lee's sex tape. It's always Pam Anderson's sex tape. And I think that I mean there's a lot to say about the ways that you know women are expected to be like garters of their their sexuality, and men are allowed to do whatever they want. But like. The yeah, the story of how it got out, I think, is fascinating. And also, like, the, the way that this sex tape got out against both of their consent, but particularly Pam's, is that he decided to fuck over some contractors. And so this dude wanted to fuck him over by putting this tape out. Like, she's so far removed from it and still gets so slighted in this whole thing that it's like, yeah, I think I think it's a really, really cool story. I mean, I think it's interesting how, you know, we're like giving light to stories when people who were the bad guys were now able to like say like, well, let's look at it from their perspective, right? Like, I think that's happening a lot with like retelling of stories. I mean, in this particular case, yes, I think that this guy, you know, Tommy Lee probably treated him like shit. And so he decided to screw him over. But I don't know if I'm I'm still not going to like act like Tommy deserved this in any way because it was no. like it was really it still is like super slimy and super fucked up. Yeah. Um the the grossest part of it all was just like sort of like, you know, as it's coming out, you know, Pam is is getting the brunt of it. And on top of it, people are kind of like, even Tommy, I think, you know, says it in the series, it's like, well, everyone's seen it. Everyone's seen it. And that's the part that sticks out to me. It's like, it's not like you haven't been naked before. You've been on Playboy, all of this. And it's like, but that's not the fucking point. Like, I don't care if I have my tits on a billboard, you know, on Sunset. Like, you don't get to, like, see anything that's not authorized. And I think that's the part that really disturbs me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was the part that, like, you know, the whole trial was about. Because they were just like, okay, you're showing yourself out. So why is this different? And... I mean, she talked about it herself. She was like, I'm just stuck with these like old white dudes who are just asking me about my sexuality. So I just stopped showing up at court. And then the judge was just like, well, your body is uh, basically a public image. 
so the tape can be released and it's such an insane thing to say to someone that also is an insane line of logic because i feel like even with the amount of like body stuff i've had to work through in my life i would post a naked picture of my full body online for the entire world to see every single day before i would let like even one person hear the things i say during sex like (laughs) that is so that is so humiliating the things that you say during sex and do and like the like like i don't know that's just such a insane line of logic like i don't know how you couldn't hear that and go like oh no it's obviously so different yeah it's it's you know it's it's just fucking insane and also i don't know uh while watching it when that man just like decided to put the tape out my first thought was just like, have you heard about like blackmail? Just like tell them that you have the tape and have them pay you money instead. It's way better than doing so because I know that he didn't end up going to jail or anything for it, which is, I was like, okay, can you not sue someone for stealing from you? Which is, I guess you can do in the 90s. Uh, <laughs> but also like by putting the tape out, did you not think they're going to wonder who put it out? And that will come back to you. And like, I, I don't know what's the logic here. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. But all it to say that all these like court cases, it's like they're just so leaning in the direction of like the men don't have the responsibility and she just has to deal with the consequences of everybody else's decisions, which is, I think, becoming clearer in the show, too. And I mean, when I was looking at just facts about the show, I mean, at this point, the tape took two years to go from a bootleg tape to mm-hmm. what they considered viral. So <laughs> just comparing it to what it takes for something to go viral now. but um, And then it ended up making an estimated $77 million in less than 12 months. And that's just on the legitimate sales. Like that's just on the sales after this court case occurred. And they were actually to make like able to make legal money off of it. So it's just, it was massive. And I think that we don't necessarily put like a like a money quantity on viral videos that we see now. I mean, they do, I'm sure, get paid, but I don't know. Like, do they people don't. make money off a of viral video? Okay. <laughs> no. Kayla's like, no, no not in no, that way. No. <laughs> no, not at all. And if you, no, it's like you can, you can maybe get ads from your account, but a video itself, yeah, no. It, it's like the internet has made everything bigger and then much less valuable. And now I think the acceleration of that, but it was really interesting to look at those numbers and just compare yeah. them to what like content like this would look like today like it's just a completely different physical and like a completely different cultural mm-hmm. set um well i think that's what's like the kind of the most embarrassing part of like well, not the most embarrassing part but like just how n- nobody thought that the internet was like gonna take off so like even when the courts are looking at like the fact that it was like on the internet it's kind of just like oh well, like big deal and even when they you know eventually decided to settle you know, and said, okay, we'll sign our rights to this video just to like make all these court cases go away because clearly we can't stop this tape and clearly nobody is like even giving us any judgments for anything. We have to do something. So they said they sold the rights just for it to be online. And it's just kind of like, just for it to be online. Like we didn't care about the internet. We thought like, well, what it'll do? It'll be on some weird website and nobody will ever see it, you know? Because in their minds, TV was king. You know, they were like, it's not on NBC. No one's going to see it. And now, yeah, it's like uh, your nudes got put out in a zine or something. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, who cares? And I don't have fun. I feel like now if your sex tape com- comes out, you'd have to beg them, like, please put it on cable. Like, no one will see it there. <laughs> no I'm putting my sex tape out on MSNBC in the daytime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. And of course, my 90-year-old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media. Do you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're panic sweating and laughing at the same time? Don't, don't worry, don't worry. We all get that. It's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we want to talk about it. Join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrush are out now, wherever you get your podcasts. You know what's so crazy is I was talking to my friend, um, you know, she got married in Miami. And so like a few years later, like in 2013, she went back to Miami, you know, just as like a renewal thing. And she was staying at the Mondrian. And this was in April of 2013. And on the cable channel, you could purchase the Kim Kardashian sex tape. Jesus. Wow. In 2013. How insane is that? And it also is just kind of like, see, you never know also like, okay, did that end up on the Mondrian Hotel? Because she ended up having to sign her rights and those rights ended up selling it to some licensor, you know, like they licensed it, you know, was she aware of this license? That hasn't even been 10 years ago. I'm just trying to imagine you being in a hotel room, just like, you know, putting (laughs) yourself together, just like, just like sitting on bed and just being like, it's time. The time has come. <laughs> we gotta get into it. <laughs> well, Kiki, what what you were saying also made me think of like an important part that I didn't understand this until I started like uh, working in entertainment. <laughs> but like, but like for okay. So who the production company that made this is Seth Rogen's production company, right? So the way that they're going to tell this story is inherently from a place of, and I personally like the way they told the story, but the way they're going to tell it is centering Seth, a role that a, a role, something for Seth. Right. So like, mm-hmm. do we get a different version of this story? Cause now this is the, the definitive story of the Pam and Tommy sex tape, at least for a while. Right. Because it's this huge big budget thing that Hulu did. There's ads everywhere. Yeah. But if, if Margot Robbie's production company buys it for her to play Pam, do we get an entirely different story? Yeah, probably. You know what I mean? So it's like who buys what has a very important role in like, the ways that the stories get presented. And I think that's really fascinating and not something I understood until like very recently. That's very interesting. Yeah. It's such a good point. Yeah. And the, and the sad part is, is like Pam wants nothing to do with the story anymore. She is so over it. You know, she, she went offline back in January, 2021. She doesn't even want to be on social media. And so the fact that, you know, Lily James reached out to her to, you know, she wanted to play Pam the best she could. And, you know, Pam never responded. And, you know, that's her right, because she didn't even understand how this was getting made without her approval. And and I just have to imagine how traumatizing that is as somebody who just spent years having something go around the globe that she did not approve. And now there's a story being told. Yeah. You know, I think I think she is getting shown in a light that is giving people 
people will have empathy for her that probably didn't before. And, you know, but like at the end of the day, she just doesn't want, she just doesn't want to tell the story anymore. She doesn't want anything to do with it. She's like, I'm not interested in like changing the culture or what. Just like, leave me alone. Leave me the fuck Right, alone. get off it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, how do you guys feel about that? The piece of consent? Like, I'm, I'm like the worst parts of me are like, I like the show. I want to watch it. Uh, this is yeah. a public story. We should all be able to consume it. And I agree, Caleb. I do really like how they told the story as well. I think it's a fair assessment. See, uh, but yeah. I, I, how, I, how do you guys feel about it, really? I honestly feel like the person the story is being told about the most should have, you know, should participate in the story. Like, the, like for example, how Monica Lewinsky is doing the, uh, like, season three of uh, American Crime Story. Right. Telling her story. So, like, you know, you get her perspective. Uh, she has to prove stuff. It's still a, a very painful story, but it's her story to tell. But just to be like, well, we bought the rights to your life and now we're just going to show them on TV. I don't think I, w- I would like that. I, I feel like, especially if it's something very, like something, part of my life that was like embarrassing and I hate it. And like what, you know, I always think about this like on Instagram, right? And you want to like, you know, get verified or you want to have a bigger account. So you choose like public figure, right? Like I think I selected public figure. But I was like, did I just like sign up for like, not that anyone wants to write a story about me, but did I just give away my rights if somebody that from my past who hated me wanted to tell a story about me, can the court say, well, you made yourself a public figure. So now you, it's a free for all. Like, I don't know. Like, when do you cross over into that territory where anybody can tell a story about you because you're basically public property? I think a lot of people... um, like people who have anybody who does like performance or like public like you know makes like videos on the internet or just stand up or whatever anybody who has some kind of like public persona whether it's big or small will have a very like unique and kind of niche take on what it means to to be in the public or be or set your account to public figure or whatever but i think a lot of people probably look at that and go you wanted to be a public figure when you were making millions and millions and millions of dollars by just showing up somewhere. And then yeah. you don't when it's time to talk about what the results of that were. And I don't think that's a, a correct view on that. But I think a lot of people don't understand the ways that you feel like you lose yourself to your public figure. If you're somebody like Pam Anderson probably does. I feel like she probably feels like now her name has become this big narrative and not just actually a literal person named Pam. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. You just become, you literally become a concept. You, you're not a right, person. You're an anymore. idea. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, exactly. You're a brand. Yeah. I, I, I'll say that though, uh, this is, you know, a separate thing, but like one thing I, I liked is, from that show and also uh, American Crime Story is that they all have had a common villain and that being Jay Leno. Um, (laughs) And I'm like, yes, destroy this man. I like that. Oh my God, he was the, like, literally, I'm like, why are you bullying like these like very young women? Like you were an old man then as well. Uh, And he just, You've been an old man for a while. Exactly, <laughs> just coming after these babies, and and I'm just like, and 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 know how like you talked to us about like this clip where like Pam Anderson is just being like, which will we play? Which which she says, no, this fucking sucks. It's not funny. Stop making these jokes. I don't like them. She's pretty candid in it. I I can't yeah. wait for you guys to listen to it because she she basically kind of just calls out a friend on national television or somebody that she considered a friend. But yeah, let's definitely go to that clip. You're supposed to be my friend. And I you're like, you, friend. you know, jump on the bandwagon. Everyone's making fun of us. And 
Making fun? What, yeah, what are you I talking know. about? I'm shocked. <laughs> making fun? What do you mean? You're making fun. I, I maybe told one little joke or something. One? Tommy's been taping them. I've got it here. What do you have? I ain't got to show it. Tommy, Pamela Lee, Pamela Lee, Pamela Lee, and Tommy Lee, Pamela Lee and Tommy, Pamela and Tommy Lee, Pamela and Tommy Lee, Pamela Lee, Pamela Lee, Tommy and Pamela Lee, Tommy and Pamela Lee, Pamela and Tommy Lee, Pamela and Tommy Lee. Maybe, maybe one or two. Did you have a favorite? It's not funny. Not funny. This is devastating to us. It is. It is. It is. So yeah, it's a really interesting like dynamic of her being like something that I've read really about Pam is that she's not like the wilted flower, like a, or what's it called? A wilted violet, a shrinking violet. Oh, que- okay. I could, I arrived, but yeah. it took me. Yeah. I arrived, but it took me. Uh, but yeah, it, I never really, I, I think the show is sort of like, is very strongly kind of planting her as somebody who doesn't necessarily have a say, but it seems like in her real life, she has had a say. Um, and so I really enjoy the interaction between her and Jay and her actually just bringing it up. Can we also say that this is why I think that Arsenio Hall does not get enough flowers? Like, he was the best nighttime talk show host ever, mm-hmm. the most least problematic talk show host, and he did not have a long enough career. as. And we let these, like, creepy, crawling dudes just be all gross for decades. Yeah. Well, all that to say, this is a podcast about apologies. So <laughs> and we we do get around to apologies eventually. But what I mean, I feel like, A, we should all apologize to Pam Anderson for how we treated her uh, when this came out. I mean, that that scene where she walked into a place where there were a lot of men watching her uh, sex tape, like out in public is a real thing that happened. And um, that seems horrifying. Like, I can't even imagine being that situation. But apologies are uh, like are owed who owes who an apology i'm gonna take the like mohanad route and i'm gonna say that i'm holier than thou in this situation because i (laughs) did not watch that sex tape like even at the time i just felt like this is gross i don't want any parts of this and um i just like i I never wanted to watch anybody's sex tape i always thought it was like fucked up yeah because there's no consent involved like in the sex maybe yes but like not in the watching it is just so weird you know and also just just you like oh saying like it that made like 77 million dollars or so i'm just like what a bunch of fucking psychos uh like i guess everyone went to that hotel in miami and just watched it Uh. (laughs) yeah here's what i will say i think i was two months old when the tape came out (laughs) i did not think anything of pam i but here's what i will say on behalf of all men i'm so sorry pam i'm sorry i i think yeah we all we all should just collectively say sorry we're all complicit and i think i think um mohanad was right that we need to rally against jay leno that's the ultimate 100 (laughs) percent. the ultimate villain yes but he has a fucking waterbed that's for sure yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go find him he's headlining flappers or whatever Uh, (laughs) i'm gonna go find him and do nothing just for the record i'm just gonna find him truly embarrassing Uh, (laughs) well caleb thank you so much for coming on what a blast thank you so much Bye. bye honey Okay, now it's, uh, it's time for my favorite segment, Sorry Not Sorry, where we either uh, accept or demand someone to give us an apology or we apologize to someone. Uh, I'm going to start with Oha. What's what's happening this week? 
Um, well, I went to um, Old Town Ale House. It's across the street from Second City last night. Mm-hmm. And if I tell you that the single most ancient man in America would not stop hitting on me, <laughs> I, I can't express to you the age that this man was. If I, I don't think I was wrong in saying 85. Wow. Maybe, maybe more. And maybe he just doesn't look that great anymore for many reasons people lives can be hard and it can age them Mm -hmm. i do think pain and trauma shows on your face sometimes yeah but he i mean he at one point expressed he expressed concern for which is this is the second time that's happened to me in my life is just concerned for my lower back due to the size of my breasts. This happened last <laughs> night. Um, so I just would like to demand an apology from ancient man and say, ta-ta, sir. Uh, we live in polite society. This may not be fucking Bridgerton Victorian area, but maybe don't approach a lady of reputable background <laughs> at midnight for oh, some wow. hanky panky. You know what I mean? Yeah, not not great. So work on that, sir. I mean, I will admit that um, my first instinct probably would have been to figure out if he was rich. I'm not going to lie. I have, <laughs> I have a bit of Anna Nicole Smith still in me. And <laughs> before I just write off this old man, <laughs> can he pay for something? Maybe. Just right. I'm gonna check it out. Well, hey, man, I'm, I'm sure you're listening. So, uh, you know, better DM us on, on, on Instagram. It's just, uh, <laughs> oh, God, just I'm a... sorry, you know. I don't know if he can. Uh, it would really surprise me if he's on Instagram. But I don't know. Use a pigeon to send us an apology. Like a, <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> Kiki, what's, what's happening with you? You know, I, um, I discovered this new... Subplace. I don't think it's new. It's new to me. It's called mm-hmm. um, Jersey Mike Subs, and um, <gasps> okay, they probably Never have them on it. the East Coast, but I didn't really I start so. noticing yeah. them. Okay, I didn't start noticing them until I got to LA, um, and I don't know. Like normally, I like chains. I, I do like chains, but I normally random chains I don't really go for. But I think I was just feeling this like east coast vibe from it and wanting like a east coast sandwich and so i was like let me check this place out anyways turns out it's really good actually delicious sub love it so every once in a while you know when i want lunch i'm like let me i'm in the in the mood for a big old sub let me go there so i will do a pre-order like usually through like doordash or something um and i always want the combo obviously i want some chips with my sub and a drink and so they have different chip options. And so this time I wanted Cheetos. Mm-hmm. And then I get home and it was flaming hot Cheetos. And I am not a flaming hot Cheetos person. And I was just like, that's weird. It just said Cheetos on the site. Well, maybe it was just an oversight. Went back again. Was like, I'm not going to tempt the Cheetos in case all of them are flaming hot. Um, I'm going to do just Cool Ranch Doritos. You know, classic, <laughs> okay. good. Get home. I didn't even know they made a flaming hot Cool Ranch Doritos because it actually feels like (laughs) it doesn't make sense. I mean, if I want Cool Ranch, why would I want it to be flaming hot? And I just started wondering, like, do they see my name and just think that I want flaming hot versus just like I just wanted a regular old Cool Ranch? I didn't ask for flaming hot. Um, So I don't know who's going to – I don't know if this is like a a DoorDash thing and they're not advertising that only – 
Flaming Hot is available at the store. I don't know if this is a Jersey bike. Someone on the other end is reading my name and like, yeah, she she definitely wants Flaming Hot. I don't know, but somebody <laughs> owes me an apology because I've not been able to eat my chips for, you know, two times. So you feel like you're being name profiled and sent uh, like a stereotypical <laughs> hot sauce, basically, basically, based on your name. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mike Johnson subs or whatever. I cannot remember what it was called. Mike Johnson subs. You should be ashamed of yourself. DoorDash, Uber Eats. I can't remember any yeah. of the specific details of the story you just told, but it's egregious. Well, um, I, 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 uh, I don't. Uh, I'm not asking for any apologies from ancient men or sandwiches, but <laughs> I'd say, I mean, see, I'm not asking for an apology from a specific person, but I'm gonna say whoever is behind Love Is Blind and the casting of Love Is Blind, I need this person, like alive or dead. Uh, it does not matter. <laughs> I feel like Love is Blind is funded by the oil industry because every time I watch it and I'm just like, okay, yes, you know what? We need climate change. Uh, <laughs> bring it fast and quick. Because you like, want the world to end? <laughs> yeah, truly. Every time I watch that show, I'm just like, these people deserve climate change to happen to them. Also, Flood like, the coastal elites. Light California on exactly. fire. <laughs> it makes me think, like, how did these people survive covid how did the how were these people were the ones who survived this pandemic like some of the dumbest people alive well can i say the fun one of the funniest tweets mm-hmm. i saw was about uh shana who um Jesus you know yeah. and someone said has anyone asked shana where her family was on january 6th 100 percent, 100 percent. like everything about that woman is insane to me uh, or, or or that guy Shake, that man belongs in jail. Like I don't know why why is why we have him on the show. Yeah, like you can't skirt the um. You know the whole point is like we're not supposed to know what people look like, and you can't skirt that by saying things like when I go to concerts, I love to have women on my shoulders. Do you think I'd be able to pick you up? Like, come on, dude, really? <laughs> like, bro, what you need to do is go to your gym if that's what you just want shoulder exercise. I'm not sure what to tell you. May- also, maybe you have soft shoulders and you literally cannot carry anyone. That's on you. Right. Uh, Soft, sort of like palate shoulders, like cartilage shoulders. Exactly. No bone. Yeah. Just cartilage. Okay. Like, like how much can you lift? Are we talking 100 pounds? Is that is that all you can do? Because <laughs> then I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Which objectively, 100 pounds is quite a bit, you guys. It is. It's not nothing. Yeah. 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 Everything about that man, everything about that show. Truly, I have no idea where they find these people or what they put in the advertisement asking. Like, send us the worst people alive or so. (laughs) Anyway, uh, apologies needed. I'm Sorry is a Lemonada Media original. The show is produced by Alex McCohen. Supervising producer is Chrissy Pease. Our executive producers are Stephanie Whittles-Wax and Jessica Cordova-Kramer. Our mix is by Kat Yor, and theme music was composed by Xander Singh. If you like this show, please rate and review. And please don't cancel us. You can find out more about our show at Lemonada Media on all social platforms or follow us on Instagram at I'm sorry underscore podcast. We'll be back next week. And until then, be nice, play fair, and always say I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. Do you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're, you're panic sweating, you're laughing and maybe a little, little bit of tears are coming all at once? Don't worry, we all do. 
That's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we, we want to talk about it. So join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrushed are out now. You can listen ad-free on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, friends, it's Megan Trainer And her big bro, Ryan Trainer And her husband, Daryl Sabara. Each week on our podcast, Working On It, we share behind-the-scenes stories and bring you into our hilarious and heartfelt conversations, and sometimes with amazing guests. We tackle everything from navigating Hollywood to mental health to Megan becoming a mother, Daryl becoming a father, and so much more. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of our lives and leave no detail behind. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. Listen to new episodes out every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts.